0: Okay, so we're going to get into this story about Donald Trump, because us Christians have to understand that um, these politicians, Democrat, Republican, they don't serve God. They serve Satan. All right. The strange case of Donald Trump. Trump appears to be pro-life and against sex trafficking. He has many religious groups and conservatives on his side, but there's evidence that he is part of the swamp he said he wanted to drain. Trump's connection with the Rothschilds. Getting Donald out of debt, the 25 year old ties that bind Trump and Wilbur Ross. Okay. This article is more than three years old. Design. Nick DeSantis, Forbes staff. America's first billionaire president is riding in the White House with popular support, and he's bringing some billionaire friends with him. One of them is distress asset investor Wilbur Ross, who is Trump's pick for commerce secretary. The two have a history of, that spans more than 25 years. Trump made a bold bet on Atlantic City when he opened a third casino, the colossal Taj Mahal, in April of 1990. Even riskier, he financed the project with $675 million in junk bonds at a 14% interest rate. Within months, Trump was struggling to make the massive bond payments as Atlantic City floundered. In stepped in, Ross, then head of Rothschild's Incorporated Bankruptcy Advising Team, to represent bondholders who were pondering forcing the casino into involuntary bankruptcy and ousting Trump. Ross reportedly saw crowds pressed against Trump's limo windows to get a peek at the mogul and realized the value of Trump's celebrity. He struck a pre-packaged, a prepackaged bankruptcy deal. Trump would give up 50% of his stake in the Taj, but would receive better debt terms and would remain in control. The Don was back in business. He ultimately made similar deals for his other troubled properties and climbed out of debt and backed onto the Forbes 400. Ross went to private equity in 2000, formed WL Ross and Co. He still runs it, but he sold it to investment firm Invesco in 2006 for some eight, um, $375 million. In 2017, Invesco partnered with Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and others to buy five industrial properties from the Jehovah Witness in Brooklyn for $240 million. Nearly all of Trump's wealth is tied up in real estate, but he also owns stocks, one holding, according to a May 2016 filing, $250,000 to $500,000 worth of Invesco European Growth Fund class Y share. excuse me. Trump claims to have sold his stock holdings in June, though he has not provided evidence to support the claim. Trump and Ross are also neighbors in both Florida and New York. Not only is Ross 16,000 square foot home, just up the road from Trump's 126 room Mar-a-Lago club in Palm Beach, but the two also share a 57th street address in Manhattan. Ross's penthouse is just two blocks from the president-elect's Trump Tower triplex. For those seeking influence in Washington, the president's cabinet is the highest echelon. While concern about potential conflicts of interest mount, one person who will have the commander-in-chief's ear is billionaire Powell Ross. Will Trump and Ross' latest deal be good for America's balance sheet or for their own? In May, I was very happy to hear that Trump administration was terminating U.S. funding of the WHO. World Health Organization. Then I read the article by Derek Braz which reveals that the U.S. increased funding to Gavi, the global alliance for vaccination and immunization. Okay, vaccine bait and switch. As millions pulled from who? Trump gives billions to Gates-founded Gavi. In mid-May, <clears throat> US, U.S. President Donald Trump announced that the U.S. will be ending their financial support for the World Health Organization, the WHO, and COVID-19 relief. The move was blambasted in mainstream press as an out-of-touch politician pulling funding from a vital global health organization during the middle of a pandemic. To Trump supporters, the decision was met with typical cheering and celebrating as another Trump victory against the globalists. To understand what is actually going on, we need to examine Donald Trump's actions, not his tweets or immediate statements. Let's start by looking at the funding provided by the US government to the WHO in previous years. The latest number from fiscal year 2018 numbers are not available for 2019 to 2020, show an estimated 281.6 million to the WHO from the US. The records indicate that after the US government, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, are the second and third top financier of the WHO the U.S. defunding the WHO actually tightens the technocrats' uh, already firm grip on another global institution. This means when Donald Trump stated the U.S. will no longer fund the World Health Organization, the the Gates Foundation and Gavi stepped into the top financial role. Additionally, Gavi was founded by and largely funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in 2000. Either way, Bill Gates is a top donor and will continue to expand his influence and dominance of global health policy. As reported in part two of my Bill Gates investigation in 2010, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation launched the decade of vaccines and called for a global vaccine action plan. Since that time, they have only grown their network and influence on the who, gavi and other organizations in order to shape public health policy in a way that reaps profits for the gates themselves while trump's supporters view the u.s withdrawal from the who financing as a win for nationalism or a black eye to the globalists the truth is a bit more nuanced in early june the trump administration declared support for gavi to the tune of 1.16 billion usd donation. Trump's support for Gavi came via the first ever virtual global vaccine summit. At this summit, Gavi surpassed the goal of $7.4 billion instead of raising $8.8 billion USD and securing commitments from the most major nations around the world. Gavi even received a $5 million donation from the Rockefeller Foundation. Gavi stated that the funding will go into routine immunization programs and will also help the public-private partnership play a major role in the rollout of future COVID-19 vaccine. Donald Trump, Gavi, and Bill Gates. Trump's support for Gavi was echoed on the Twitter account for the United States Agency for International Development, USAID. USAID echoes real Donald Trump's words and is a proud, to be partnered with Gavi by committing $1.16 billion to protect people through vaccines because vaccines work, the tweet reads. It should be noted that USAID has also been accused of creating fake social media networks in an attempt to foment unrest in foreign nations. Once again, this puts Bill Gates and his organizations at the top of the global health pyramid. So what did Mr. Gates have to say about the success of the Global Vaccine Summit? Since his inception, Gavi has helped vaccine more than three quarters of a billion children. And let's not forget, um, if you do your own research, you could see that his vaccines don't help kids, they hurt kids. He was kicked out of India because his vaccines crippled and sometimes unalived children, okay? And now it's stepping up and saying it's willing to deliver a COVID-19 vaccine as soon as one is available and to end the pandemic as soon as possible, he said at the summit. We must also renew our commitment to delivering every life saving vaccine there is to every child on earth. Bill Gates' father funded Planned Parenthood and taught his son to spread the gospel of eugenics, the same thing that Adolf Hitler believed Adolf Hitler, a Satan worshiping mass murderer. Okay. Either way, Gates wins. Taken together, The May payment of $775 million, the early June announcement of $1.16 billion billion, and the late June gift of $545 million. These taxpayer-funded investments will provide abundant resources for Gavi and subsequently the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. These funds easily outweigh the paltry $281.6 million the U.S. was giving the WHO. It is important to understand that the who is part of the united nations which is in itself is an intergovernmental organization that is attempting to replace nation nation states as we know them today in favor of global governance schemes Gavi is public partner public private partnership where governmental bodies and private organizations partner up to provide some sort of public service neither of these organizations have been Elected by the free people of the nations in which they operate. Despite this fact, the Trump administration continued to give billions to Gavi and, in doing so, furthering Bill Gates' goal to vaccine 7 billion people. Trump may have pulled funds from the WHO, but that decision allows Gates to take full control of WHO policy and continue to use taxpayer dollars to fund vaccine projects, including a rush vaccine of, for COVID 19 that was likely the plan the whole time. This is this is why the Trump administration appointed a big farmer lackey to head Operation Warp Speed. Trump's plan to fast track the development of vaccines for COVID-19 in May. Trump appointed Monsef Saloui, a former executive with vaccine manufacturer GlaxoSmithKline, and Klein to serve in a volunteer position assisted by army general Gustav Perner, the commander of the United States army, material command. According to the Trump administration, Operation Warp Speed program is focusing on four vaccines with the hopes of, of testing and producing a hundred million doses by October, 2020, 200 million by December and 300 million doses by January. Saloui has said he believes the goal of vaccines by January, 2021 is a credible goal. Once again, Gates fingerprints are all over this situation. Saloui himself, has a long history with Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation sitting on the boards of companies that are connected to the organization. It appears that despite the public pronouncements of divesting from the who or tweets about standing up to the globalists, the Trump administration continues to push the agenda to vaccine every person on the planet. Okay, question everything, come to your own conclusions. Then there is the article by Dr. Joseph McCullough that exposes the Operation Warp Speed, which Trump supports, is almost entirely funded and operated by the CIA and the Department of Defense. Okay. So you look this article up for yourselves. All right. Okay. Operation Warp Speed, a technocratic chess piece posted on Wednesday, November 4th. 2020 at 1130 AM written by Dr. Joseph McCullough. All right. Story at a glance, many of the same surveillance initiatives proposed after 9-11 has been resurrected and updated technology under the guise of combating COVID-19 operation warp speed, the white house administration's effort to produce A fast track COVID-19 and other therapeutics is almost entirely funded and operated by the CIA and the US military. Operation Warp Speed is supporting the creation of several COVID-19 vaccines, all of which will be deployed, but to different critical populations. Operation Warp Speed is shrouded in secrecy that makes it difficult to ascertain the true agenda. But part of the plan is to monitor vaccine recipients for 24 months after the first dose using biosensors that record and share biological data like 9-11 covid 19 pandemic is being used as a justification for implementation of more tyrannical controls it appears they're laying down the infrastructure for a totalitarian control system set to be fully deployed later in this interview investigative journalist whitney webb who does both independent work and collaborations with The Last American Vagabond, discusses the little known details of Operation Warp Speed, a joint operation between US Health and Human Services, and the Department of Defense to produce a fast track COVID-19 vaccine and other therapeutics. As you may have noticed by now, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and a host of other platforms are censoring information related to COVID-19 in general, and the vaccine information in particular. Many commenters who touch on these issues have been deplatformed altogether, so information on these crucial topics are getting harder to come by. We're at a point where the line between Silicon Valley and the national security state have been so blurred, you really can't distinguish where one begins and where the other ends, Webb says. This is, in in large part helps explain how and why big tech is getting away with such blatant censorship as the platforming of individuals who discuss issues the mainstream media refuses to touch. I have seen this because when I um, caught COVID, all right i was trying to dig for information and i was digging for information about this and i found a lot and i also found that a lot of content creators who were talking about this subject they lost their channels altogether, or they got demonetized all right or they lost the the video was deleted doctors were fired all right for speaking out and telling the truth This is something, man. You can definitely make the argument that it's state censorship to a degree, she says. I think it's quite telling that a lot of these companies from the very beginning of their existence had some sort of funding from US intelligence. Operation Warp Speed. As noted by Webb, you'd expect Operation Warp Speed being a government program to be governed by some federal regulatory agency like the Food and Drug Administration or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or even the HHS, but no, it was almost entirely funded and operated by the CIA and the US military web explains. When Operation Warp Speed was announced, it was essentially sold to the public as a joint operation between HHS and Department of Defense. So the military was involved from the beginning, but oddly enough, last month, a lot of information about Warp Speed started to come to light. One was the organizational chart of its leadership, which showed that by and large the entire operation is dominated by the military there are very few civilian health officials and most of the civilian health officials are involved in the therapeutic side of warp speed which we know which we know now is the most drastically underfunded part of the initiative it was initially given a 10 billion dollar budget and they've already spent 10 billion on the vaccine only 450 million have been given through warp speed to our therapeutics project which of course we now know is renegon regeneron which is already which is allegedly what trump received when he was at Walter Reed what I'm saying is that most of the is that most the vast majority of the money and time and energy has gone to a vaccine specifically not really therapeutics and so if you look at the organization at the organizational chart the people that aren't directly deployed by the Department of Justice or military intelligence were essentially put in the therapeutics part, which was drastically underfunded. It focused largely on the vaccine. What also is interesting is we know that Operation Warp Speed currently has about six vaccine candidates and we know now that they plan to use them all and that they plan to allocate a specific vaccine, vaccine to Pacific populations. What they identify in their, official guidance as critical populations which they announced which they announced just a few days ago there are a lot of things in warp speed that are concerning one of the things i read about recently is the that google and oracle two large tech companies that have long-standing ties to the cia are going to be involved in what they describe as more, far more co-vigilance surveillance system or what was more recently referred to by the head of Warp Speed as an incredible precise tracking system whereby everyone who receives one of these vaccines will be tracked in surveillance, not just to make sure that they get a second dose, but also to see what happens to people's physiology because they admit that every one of these vaccine candidates has never been brought to the market or licensed by the government before, Webb says. So it's a far more co-vigilant surveillance According to Webb, the plan is to monitor vaccine recipients for 24 months after the first dose. The question is, how do you monitor such a large population? One way would be to employ biosensors that collect and send biological metrics automatically. So you have Google being contracted to monitor this pharmacovigilance surveillance system that aims to monitor the physiology and the human body for two years, Webb says and then when you have the ties to the profusa project which oddly enough is supposed to work inside the human body for 24 months the exact window they they said will be used to monitor people after the first vaccine dose guinea pigs are us in short rather than doing long-term safety studies on both animals and humans beforehand what's being put into place is a safety study after the fact where vaccine recipients are monitored to, for side effects, unfortunately, warp speed, being shrouded in secrecy, has not received, has not released details about what biological parameters would actually be monitored and surveillance. As noted by Webb, it really doesn't make sense if you think about it. For something that is funded by American taxpayers to produce a medical countermeasure for or a vaccine during peacetime is being run by military under extreme secrecy with a lot of involvement of intelligence contractors or intelligence agencies themselves. We now know for example that the that the NSA and the Department of Homeland Security are directly involved in operation Warp Speed, but they won't really say exactly what parts they're doing, but there are some indications as to what they <clears throat> as what they could be involved with. And the fact that Silicon Valley companies that have been known to collaborate with intelligence agencies for the purpose of spying on innocent Americans, Google and Oracle, for example, are going to be involved in the surveillance system for everyone that gets the vaccine. It's certainly alarming and it seems to a point to the fulfillment of an agenda that was attempted to be pushed through or foist on the American public after 9-11 called Total Information Awareness, which was managed originally by DARPA. It was about using medical data and non-medical data, essentially all data about you to prevent terror attacks before they could happen and also to prevent bioterror attacks and even prevent naturally occurring disease outbreaks. A lot of the the same initiatives proposed under that original program after 9-11 has essentially been resurrected with updated technology under the guise of combating COVID-19. Human trials reveal plenty of risk. Webb also discusses the vaccine trials currently underway around the world, and the fact that even though the vaccines are being given to perfectly healthy younger individuals, they're reporting lots of side effects, including serious ones. Most recently, a volunteer physician in the Brazilian arm of AstraZeneca's trial died from receiving the placebo, which was not sterile saline, but meningitis vaccine too. What? As detailed how, in how COVID-19 vaccine trials are rigged, none of the vaccines are designed to actually prevent infection. The primary measure of success is whether or not the vaccine results in fewer symptoms when you're infected with SARS cov 2 While AstraZeneca trials initially stated the vaccine was being tested against saline placebo-3, as I mentioned earlier, It's since been revealed that they're using the meningitis vaccine as a placebo, which can help hide a variety of side effects. The study was not halted following that death, but it had already been paused twice due to unexpected serious illnesses. Both instances were deemed unrelated to the vaccine, of course. There are really things that have potential to be very drastic because you have to consider that the sample sizes are quite small if you extrapolate to the size of the u.s population potentially hundreds of thousands of people may suffer adverse health effects Webb says why the lack of transparency Webb also points out that rather than being contracts between government and the vaccine companies the vaccine contracts have been funneled via third party why one potential reason is because this exempts them from freedom of information act requests it also exempts vaccines made under those contracts from, from and federal regulations, including federal safety regulations. We all know because of the changes HHS made per the PREP Act that any person that produces a COVID-19 vaccine associated with Operation Warp Speed will not be liable for any of the damages it may cause. Now, remember now, um, if anybody gets harmed or they get unalive due to taking this potion they can't, your your family can't sue them for your demise. And it's definitely concerning that these vaccine companies, a lot of which have just, a lot of which just have atrocious track records are being given billions of dollars and being allowed to operate under the most, utmost uh, secrecy, developing something for the American public that can very well be mandated or for some people, even if it's not an official mandate, if they want to keep their jobs They want to stay in school. They'll have to receive it anyway. So it's definitely an issue that more people should be talking about. Unfortunately, as mentioned earlier, it's extremely difficult to get this information out. YouTube, which is owned by Google, and censors all of it. This is beyond questionable considering Google's involvement with Operation Warp Speed. In short, they're censoring it to protect their own interests. Laying down infrastructure for totalitarian control. As mentioned, 9-11 became the justification for a series of tyrannical control mechanisms in the form of Patriot Act that stripped Americans of civil liberties and privacy. Now the COVID-19 pandemic, despite the fact that it hasn't resulted in an excess number of deaths above the historical norm for any given year, appears to be used as yet another excuse for implementation of more tyrannical controls. It appears that's why they're doing <clears throat> that's what they're doing is laying down the infrastructure for totalitarian control system set to be deployed later webb agrees saying i tend to agree with you in a big way i'll give you an example of an initiative that's being put out right now by hss that they claim <clears throat> is about preventing coronavirus outbreaks before they happen and how it plays into the long-standing effort to produce smart cities <clears throat> hss a few weeks ago issued a solicitation which was given to given to this mit spinoff company called biobot analytics essentially they say it's a is to create a nationwide water a wastewater surveillance system where they will be robotically sampling sewage from various cities around the country they say that will be done to test for covid 19 and use an ai algorithm to predict the predictably determine if a COVID-19 outbreak will take place in the future, up to 11 days before symptoms would even eventually, allegedly begin to show in that particular population. They say that will be done to enable rapid containment of those communities before this alleged future outbreak could happen. This is wild. This is insane. what you can see there's an a, there's my opinion is what was previously trying to be sold to the public as predictive policing but now it's it's sort of predictive policing approach to healthcare we have to prevent infection or prevent outbreaks before it happens which obviously is rife for abuse by a government that is fundamentally corrupt and out of control If they wanted to lock down a particular community, all they have to say is our new surveillance system has identified through this algorithm that there will be an outbreak here in 11 days. So we have to shut shut everything down in this entire city. What this wastewater surveillance system requires is sensors throughout a sewage system in a particular city, which is underground infrastructure of what are often today called smart cities. Cities filled with sensors that are united by the internet of things, 5G, and Wi-Fi. What's very alarming is that the developers chosen for this wastewater surveillance system come from a lab at MIT called Sensible City Labs. And it's not sensible. It's sensible in that it's able to be sensed. Essentially, MIT is a smart cities lab that was chosen by HHS to develop this under the guise of COVID-19. And what is also alarming in my opinion, is that this company has partnered with HSS before, not to predict coronavirus or to sample for coronavirus in wastewater, but to detect partner patterns of illicit drug use in certain populations, which dovetail with the war on drugs in the United States, whether it has to do with opioids or marijuana use or any other illegal substance, it allows surveillance on what people are ingesting in a particular community. They also talk about analyzing people's diets, what they're in, what they're ingesting If people are getting or eating foods that the government has decided are associated with illnesses. They can see if too many people are eating the wrong foods and then accordingly ban those foods through a municipal or statewide edict, things like that. This is insane. Wow it's really a recipe for micromanaging of regular human habits where the government was not previously involved after 9 11, this invisible enemy was these faceless terrorists aboard. Now under coronavirus, the invisible enemy is a microbe that can exist anywhere, including within your own body. Therefore, to fight and win this war against the microbe, we have to know what's going on inside your body also. And so we're seeing the potential for the use of something like profusa, and Operation Warp Speed, or this effort to surveil sewage and determine what people are putting in their bodies. It's definitely a very slippery slope in what I would call the beginning of a biosurveillance state. All right. The technocratic underground. Indeed, it all appears to be part of a parcel of long-standing technocratic plan to govern society. technology programmed by scientists and technicians and automated through the use of artificial intelligence rather than through democratically elected politicians and government leaders much of it is being developed and implemented in really underhanded ways for obvious reasons the true long-term purpose is never actually admitted for example while smart cities have received public pushback This plan to equip the sewage system with biosensors is essentially a way to build a system from below ground up. Since it's underground, people will be far less likely to object to it or understand it is an intrusion of privacy. Ultimately, topside technologies will be added in the form of smartphones until people are living in smart cities, whether they are signed up for it or not. Google's transhumanist goals. Webb also discusses the influence and role of Google in the greater depth, including the current antitrust case filed against the company by U.S. Department of Justice. There are a lot of things that Eric Schmidt has done over the years that are deeply concerning. He and a lot of other people involved with Google, including Google's top futurist, as he describes himself, Ray Kurzweil, are very big proponents of what is often called transhumanism. This belief that it's the destiny of the human race, it will be the pinnacle of human evolution to combine machines and defeat death. Smith is a person that certainly feels that way and was close with Kurzweil. Now he's in charge of the artificial intelligence modernization efforts of the government. It's very, very disconcerting, especially when you look at a lot of military owned moderation plans that are set to begin next year with having an unprecedented role for artificial intelligence targeting and flagging people that soldiers will then shoot with these augmented reality helmets the pentagon has bought it's also of the it's a lot of orwellian surveillance structure that we're seeing rolled out whether through warp speed or by the hhs under the guise of covid-19 response it definitely seems to dovetail significantly with plans that have been developed by people like Schmidt for the modernization of the US government itself, particularly the national security state. And I really don't think there's much of a coincidence that those two things are happening in tandem. Antitrust case against Google may actually benefit them. As for the antitrust case against Google filed by the Department of Justice at the end of October, 2020, Webb's doubts it will hurt the company. In fact, she suspects Google just like the Rockefeller standard oil wants to be broken up into order to be able to expand their markets. The government was able to look like they were actually doing something about standard oil, but actually standard oil wanted to be broken up that allowed the Rockefeller family to extend their influence and reach far beyond oil, for example they got involved with totally remaking Western medicine and shaping what we now know as Big Pharma. So I think it's interesting that this is happening with Google now, and it's only targeting Google's search monopoly, which is what Google began with. But since then, Google's business has expanded for far beyond reach, and they're poised to have a big role in upcoming health care initiatives. For example, I think they're ready to extend their tentacles, to use that metaphor, into a lot more different sectors far beyond their search engine. So maybe people will be assage publicly if they think, oh yeah, Google has been taken down and broken up by the government. When in reality, they don't care about their monopoly or on search anymore. And they're already too big to fail. I honestly think at the end of the day, a lot of the ant- this antitrust posturing towards Google, I don't really know if it will go anywhere. She says, All right, so that's about it for now. I'll uh, start off with part two, but this is it, and um, okay, I can't put this on YouTube, so I will put this on Spotify, and I will put this on uh, Rumble. All right, stay tuned for part two.